Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And welcome to The Tim's Take, episode 61. I just realized you scooped right into it. You didn't even make me do a mic test. That's true. I guess 61 episodes in, I just trust that our settings are where they should be. You always say that I don't do a mic test properly. Well, that's true. Yeah. So I thought you were just abandoning it altogether. You finally given up on me. I hadn't thought about that, but you are a very bad mic tester. You're so good at so many things, but you tend to go quiet on a mic test and then you get talking and you're like, <laughs> like your energy goes way up, which of course the mic test is supposed to get your levels at your energy peak. But at that point, I'm just talking to you and now I'm talking to our people. No. <laughs> oh, I, I see the differentiating. It makes sense now, doesn't it? Well, 61 episodes in, let me make this transition. Speaking of people. Oh. We have some mailbag. As promised, we talked last episode, as a reminder, we talked with Rena, so we didn't get to the mailbag that you had sent in, but we promised we would. And so I want to start, first of all, with a quick little email written in by dear close friend of the show, Carissa. I'm sorry. I just have to interject to say now we're skipping my mailbag jingle. Oh, I guess I can put it back in. I feel. Listeners, you heard it. Don't worry about it. Wow. Okay. All right, let's move on to Carissa. Listen, I, we've got a packed show here, Rachel, and we want to honor the people's time. I do genuinely want to hear what Carissa has to say, so let's go. Me too. She said, hi, just listen to your most recent podcast. So this would have been a couple episodes ago. You guys are still a little ways off, I think. Oliver is how old? Well, we have to answer that question. He's 22 months as of this past week. But a really good book Josh and I have been reading, Josh is her husband, and trying to implement with our three-year-old is How to Talk So Little Kids Will Listen, A Survival Guide to Life with Children Ages 2 through 7. I had borrowed it a few years ago from the library, but as my youngest has turned into a 3 nager, there have been more times than I care to count that I have manhandled him because he simply wouldn't comply. So I decided to just buy the book and make Josh read it too. Really great practical tools. You guys should check it out. Happy parenting. That is such a wonderful practical mailbag we love a good book recommendation thank you carissa i think this was talking about some of our manhandling struggles with oliver lately i feel like we should put that in our amazon cart like right now yeah for sure we'll put it in the show notes as well for anyone else who's interested thanks carissa we're always happy for tips from our much wiser community yes please <laughs> please please and then we have another mailbag can you believe it who and this is a special kind of mailbag let me see if I can get the effect here. It's a physical piece of mail. We don't just post our address. So folks, if you want to send us something, you're going to have to email us first with some kind of identifying information that you're a, a normal person. And Utility bills, passports, <laughs> bank account information. Okay, let's not get carried away. But here's here's this letter. You know, it. look at it. It looks like it was written with a fountain pen to me. It's on a really nice quality paper with a little bit of a like artistic watermark going there. It really is quite something. It's really something. So I'm going to read it in full because I feel like if you write in a letter like this, you deserve a full reading. At least this one does. Dear Rachel and Matt at the Tim's Take podcast, longtime listener, first time writer, and first physical letter in the Tim's Take mailbag? Confirmed. As a fellow traveler on this parenting adventure, I've admired how you model generosity toward one another and curiosity about what is happening both inside yourselves and in the people, including, of course, Oliver, and the world around you. 
As Oliver gets older, I wonder how you will invite him into your exploration of what it means to live with intention and grace, or rather how we are able to live with intention and grace. My hunch, as a parent whose kids are still young, is that it's more valuable for children to observe and understand the how of their adults' ethical, social, theological, etc. processing than to be given a set of what's or even why's. How do we think through this issue or challenge? How do we not just coexist but collaborate fruitfully with others? How do we attend to our feelings and bodies and react to different circumstances in healthy ways? Of course, the hows and the what's and the why's are all related, but I think the hows are often the most neglected, especially for or by those of us raised in doctrinal environments. Keep doing what you're doing with much hope and gratitude, signed Boris. And there's a PS here. Shout out to Greg and Tony for their recent contribution to the mailbag. Wow, Boris. That could have been that could have been a resource in itself. I was gonna say, I feel like there's enough to unpack right there. Any initial uh, reflections or responses to Boris's raising of the house? Yeah, just as you're reading, being struck, kind of reflecting on my own childhood, like how much watching my parents just be in relationship with other people is really the thing that comes first to mind of mm. kind of what I've learned from them. I think in really great ways. And so I want to model that for Oliver. Yeah. I don't know. What about you? I guess, you know, I hope that these kinds of conversations that we have, even if Oliver doesn't listen to them, maybe at some point he becomes aware that we're having them and wanting to be uh, intentional in those ways. And I think some of that is literally inviting him into them. Mm. This is where I think the whys and the hows are interrelated because the the how of patient explanation with a child is often pointing to a why, but it's in the modeling of the patients and the explaining that, yeah, we get into kind of relational dynamics and how we can healthily interact even when we're struggling or having a hard day. So I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of food for thought there about, yeah, about modeling. And also it's like a good reminder that it's not just what what you're going to explain or the questions that we're going to answer, but also how we navigate those questions when they come up. So thanks, Boris. Anything you'd add? Go Spurs, go. (laughs) Go Spurs, go. Well, that's like a coded message. I like that. Well, what great mailbag. Let's move on to our resource which is titled Three Powerful Types of Parenting Goals That Will Change Your Life 2022. Of course, you might notice there's there's a typo in the title that is directly from the website, though. The article is by Pamela Lee, and we are going to ignore the subject matter that the title talks about and talk about just one earlier idea that she doesn't even flesh out that fully. We'll link, of course, to this, but she talks about hidden goals of parenting. And when you and I both read this, we thought that hidden goals conversation was maybe the most interesting. So we're going to camp out there. But what she means by hidden goals, well, she's talking about different kinds of parenting goals that parents might have for themselves, that parents might have for their children. And then she talks about hidden goals. And she had talked about this specifically with respect to parents. And the example she gives is that parents might have a goal of not yelling. But then uh, they end up often within a few days yelling at their children again. And her point is, well, the not yelling actually has behind it hidden goals. The 
their goal is not necessarily to not yell. It's perhaps that they want to have a better relationship with their child. But also there can be kind of shadow sides of hidden goals that go unnamed, such as maybe what you really want is not to not have to yell because you want your child to be under control. You want to have an obedient child, so to speak, and that that's the true goal. And I thought, oh, this hidden goals is pretty interesting, especially as we start to have to navigate more more relational dynamics with Oliver. But I'm curious, maybe before we dive in, because I have a question, I want you to help me explore something, what your kind of initial reactions were. I mean, to be honest, I'm a little confused at what she's actually trying to say, whether hidden goals are good or bad or long-term goals, like what what's going on. So I'd be curious what your question is, and maybe that will help me process this article. Well, so here's what I wanted to explore. So when I think about like one of these like no yelling parenting goals, and maybe we've talked about this, we've at least talked about it personally off air, is I want to be better getting off my phone around Oliver and not looking at my phone when I'm with Oliver or playing with Oliver. And yet I find that very hard to do. And I'm like, okay, so there's my goal. What is hidden behind that goal that either makes it so hard for me (laughs) to achieve that goal? Because on the one hand, there's like the larger goal of like, oh, well, I want to be more present to Oliver. Like I get all that. And some of this is bleeding into habits, right? It's not just about goal setting. But I'm like, are there things, are there other kind of competing goals that are making that hard for me? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So like hidden goals that I'm not even aware of that I might not even want to kind of sign on to. In other words, not positive things I want, but that are that are making those interactions more challenging. Does that make sense? I think so. Do you have ideas or you're kind of asking to process that? Together? I'm asking to process this together for you to help me. I mean, I think what's tricky is like your goals as a parent and then your goals as a person or your habits as a person. Yeah. Like more. are not separable. Yeah. So I feel like you like to stay busy or be learning things and like being on your phone reading articles reading your emails like is part of that maybe not always like the healthiest habit but it is like kind of meeting some of that desire for you and so like playing with Oliver and sitting on the floor and staring at blocks and repeating the same game over and over and over is like at odds with like you wanting to like accomplish things Woof. <laughs> wow. Okay. Just take me to the couch. I don't know. Does that ring true at all? Like, I think it's more an issue of competing goals as people and parents and than necessarily even like hidden goals. Hmm. That is so good. I'm just processing this and thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, it's like, This isn't fair, but I think it's the truth. Because being with Oliver or being with any little kid is sometimes boring. Then the more stimulating competing goal interjects itself as being an attractive option. Yeah, I think that's totally true. And I totally identify with this. There was a couple weeks where both Oliver and I were sick kind of alternating each other but we really just laid low we 
we're pretty sure it wasn't COVID, but still just didn't want to be like out and about and passing things to people. So we spent a lot of time in our house. And usually like every time I'm with Oliver, we're doing like an activity out of the house every single day. And I love that. And I mean, I think he enjoys it, but it was interesting during those two weeks where we really just had to like sit and be in our house. Like I realized like how much fun he was having Mm. and like how fun it was to like let him do whatever and play games and be creative because I wasn't like rushing him to the next thing. Like I was really just like, okay, we're going to sit here. I'm going to watch you sometimes, which like feels very unproductive or like for me, probably more like not social. I think that's probably like my like filler, Mm. my competing goal is to want to be out and about and social. And not just for him, but for you. But for me too. And so to be just the two of us in this house, like was really intimidating. But then I actually like totally enjoyed it and realized like, huh, how much am I applying that pressure to like leave the house on him? And I mean, we never, I never, I shouldn't say never. I try not to not like drag him out of the house kicking and screaming. Like usually it's like, let's go to the park. Let's do this. And he is usually on board for it. But I, I just wondered like how much am I in some sense, like squashing his, his creativity or his personality by like, you know, kind of putting my own on that. So I identify with my competing goals and not knowing. Yeah. Was going out like, oh, for Oliver's enrichment and social skills. But is it also for me? Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, that feels like both competing and hidden goals, right? Like there's something, there's this personal, the ways we can smuggle in. And mine is maybe like the negative, like a negative side. Like in other words, like it's a goal of stopping something and your goal is like the flip side of wanting to do something. And in both cases, they can be masking or like hiding like various competing goals or personal things that we're hoping to achieve. That's really fascinating. Thanks for letting yourself be on the chopping block. <laughs> John, I don't feel like it was a chopping Not block. Not chopping block, the uh, spotlight, I guess, a little. It was very helpful. It was also a little disturbing to me how quickly you came to that insight about me. I mean, I just have noticed observations. Oh, dear. All right, let's move on to our closing segment. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm just going to move on I and deflect. Swift exit. I'm going to deflect with humor like I always do. also an ongoing theme with this podcast yep let's talk about key plays key plays is that oliver is just a little chatterbox these days he is talking and using tons of words Mm -hmm. and i mean not he is really great at repeating words but he is also like just using words when they're appropriate to be used he's not quite at sentence level but he's starting to do fragments of a sentence or a story and he can really start to like put that together and it's really just something to like be able to converse with them he kind of bumped his eye earlier this week and I was in a different room when it happened so I came out and I didn't know what was wrong at first and so I like start naming body parts and he's like no 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 and then I said I and he's like yeah and then I said what happened and he pointed to the thing that he like ran into and I was like wow like I just actually like gleaned information from you. I don't I don't know if this has ever happened before and this like I did not have information and my almost 2-year-old gave me that information. Yeah, yeah. But it's just it's a wild thing and it's super fun to talk and 
have that kind of next level communication with him. It's also intimidating. Like you realize how aware he is of language now. I think, you know, for so long as parents, we talk over Oliver, about Oliver. And now it's like, okay, he is now very aware of what we're saying. So you have to kind of be careful to not talk over him and talk with him or, you know, I don't know. Have you noticed that shift? Yeah, I don't know how much we... I don't feel like we really massively shifted. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe you Maybe you feel like you have. Yeah, I do. But I feel like we've had a sense of him being aware for actually quite a bit longer than his language. Yeah, kind but of the there's words something coming in. about him being able to repeat things or pick up on what that's... Like how stories are crafted or... Yeah, so, like, what's an example of, like, you you in communication, like, being like, oh, I'm either self-censoring or shifting the way I'm talking about this because I know Oliver's listening. I'm curious. I think we talked about this. Oliver is having a tendency to bite sometimes when he's either playing or, like, just angry or whatever. And this is something your mom actually said. Like, you were telling her about this, and she goes, Matthew, look at him. He's watching you. He's listening. And I think it frames like how like you don't want to say, oh, Oliver's being a bad kid. He's biting because he would internalize that mm. now that he is really like comprehending, I think, words. And so you want to frame it even differently, even though you're not talking to him per se. I think like he's so aware that you want to be careful about like how you present things. Once again, very insightful. It's time for me to be more aware about how I present things. <laughs> Guys, episode 61. A lot of growth from that. <laughs> that might Surprise! need to be the t- that might need to be the title. <laughs> we gotta wrap it there. Yep. I've grown so much. You really I'm learned yeah, so much. I'm glad. Glad to be here for this moment. Thank you to those who have written in. You can still write in tinstake at gmail.com. Also, we should say uh, in the last episode we talked with Rena Crocker, executive director of the greenhouse. We had a fundraiser. We posted the link in the show notes. And then when we posted our last episode, that link wasn't active. But now? But now it is. It is. So it's back in the top of your show notes. You can click there. We'd love for you to support the greenhouse. There's apparently a matching donor. So in some very strange and also generosity of one listener, we have surpassed our goal that we talked about. So we expanded it. So we expanded the goal and we'd love we'd love for the Tim Steak podcast alone to be responsible for that four hundred dollar yes. giving. And if it gets matched up to eight hundred, that's amazing. So link there. Big day of giving. The deadline to give is this Thursday, May fifth. Okay, you're listening to this. This comes out on mon- on a Monday. Deadline's Thursday. If you miss both of those, we'll still have a way for you to give to the greenhouse down below. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back. It's First of all, way better than Matt processing and realizing things that he didn't know because it's someone else offering some wisdom. So listen to Rena. And yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I think that's it. Till next time. I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And that is your Tim Steak. <laughs>